America, my name is I'm Yosef Frimpong, and I come to you live every Friday about this time. And, uh, you know, I was going to go a few different ways with this show, and I, you know, I went exercising because I have exercise, and, and uh, some things cleared up for me. So we're going to go with The Dangerous Individual. I'm going to do, this is going to be a two-parter. I'm going to do a show this week on The Dangerous Individual. Next week, I'm going to do a uh, show on The Dangers of Being Basic. So you're in a bit of a quandary, right? You can't be dangerous and you can't be basic. This week we're going to focus on uh, the the dangerous individual and what that means and how that and how that um, is kind of actualized in our current structure. So what do I mean by the dangerous individual? Okay. So what do I mean by the dangerous individual? There, I. I, I also teach, right? So when I don't do this, I teach some cl intro classes at the University of Georgia, and I'm writing my dissertation. And this week, we studied Foucault. I, I assigned two lectures from Foucault. Foucault is a 20th century kind of philosopher, political theorist from France. And he was, and you know, he's got all these interesting things to say about the way um, our kind of more authoritarian apparatuses really function, right? So what the cops say they do versus what they actually do. Um, by the way, there's, you know, yet another series of shootings, but uh, uh, cops and black men and, and boys. And I will just say that Potter, the woman who grabbed her stun gun, if you watch the video, she was very excited about, you know, getting this kid, he was 20 years old, to get this young man, um, bringing him in on a failure to appear warrant. So make no mistake, this guy had a failure to appear in court warrant for a misdemeanor. And it was so important that they bring him in that they shot him. That she shot him with, I don't think she should have shot him with a stun gun. Look, if you're trying to, if you're tracking down a guy on a failure to appear warrant, you have his license plate number. Just put it in the system and go to his known address and like hang out till he goes home. <laughs> you don't, you don't have to be tasing people. And then you don't have to make the mistake the taser for a gun. That's just not a mistake you make when the victim's a white woman, that's just not a mistake you make. That, I'm, that's just not. It's, 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 sorry, it's, it's simply not. And uh, so they say she had 26 years of training and she was actually a police trainer. So this whole idea that we can somehow, uh, you know, police just need more training, that's always just a money grab for police departments. Make no mistake, that is just a money grab for police departments, more training. There's something else that's going on. Unless I'm doing the training, because I could train them. Uh, we just need to take away their guns and maybe only give them uh, uh, tasers. Not everyone needs, please don't need deadly force. You give them a taser, they used to just go around with nightsticks and do fine. So you just give them a taser, they'll be fine, especially for traffic stops. Uh, and that way they don't confuse a gun for a taser. And notice it never goes the other way around. Nobody ever like tries, pulls a taser on a black guy. And um, when they meant to pull a gun and then shoot them with a taser instead, I meant to shoot them dead, but instead I just tased them. No, it's always like I, I shot the other way. I went the other way. So, and they say, like, well, you know, she had 26 years of training. No, let's be honest now. She had 400 years of training on how to kill black men. That's institutional knowledge. Um, that's institutional knowledge. So it's not like she would, it would be one thing if she grew up with a bunch of hippies. Um, who were freedom writers, but I have a strong feeling that Kim uh, Potter, or whatever her first name is, the murderer Potter, uh, like did not grow up with freedom writers. 
because freedom riders uh, or, you know, civil rights activists, they do not become cops who mistake tasers for uh, guns. So, you know, we need to you know, fix the way we train white people in general to be white. That's the only kind of training they need. And we need to stop this nonsense about how training's going to help or like, you know, she was a veteran on the force. Yeah, she was a veteran on the force. That's what, that's what that means. That's what that means. She's generations of knowledge on, on how to terrorize and treat black people like trash. So that's what I have to say about that. Um, shooting, I guess the other shooting about the boy, everyone's making a choice. Everyone's, you know, incensed about they killed a child. They killed a child. Yeah, they killed a child. But like, it's also bad when they kill grown people. So like, we should stop them from killing people. Um, and I've, I've always been one of these very suspicious people who's very suspicious about people always talking about the youth and how we need to protect the youth, which is important. But there's always a way in which, especially in black communities, we focus on kids because we have no plan for any black person who's over 20. Or do we, we do have a plan. It's a cage. Right? So, I, you know, I've said this before. If you're around a bunch of nonprofit people and they're always talking about youth programs, if they don't have a program for anyone who's 25, then they don't have a program for anyone who's 15 or 13 or whatever. So, um, yeah. I guess I should probably talk about uh, the, the Black Lives Matter woman who turns out is uh, rich, <laughs> buying land in California, like multiple pieces of land in California, not even denying it. She says, I'm a prison abolitionist who happens to be nigger rich. <laughs> so like, so uh, I don't know what to say. I, 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 uh, I, she made a lot of money off of black male death. She made a lot of money on black. I guess she did make some money off Sandra Bland too. But pretty much, she makes a lot of money off the spectacle of black male death. And I don't. I. I maybe they should have. We should have pressed for the uh, slogan to be more specific: "Black male lives matter," because um, she's she's gotten rich off it. And I'm not sure how much that helps the community. I don't know how much that goes into the movement. I. I. I don't know. The hustle is strong. But you have to understand, the way this group of not-profit activist women have made money off of black male death isn't that different from the way, while, like, you know, getting the stink off of them themselves and not dying, um, isn't that different from the way white women profit from, you know, white male killers? Right? So there's this illusion that white supremacy is uh, only profits the, the men who do it. But white women live a long time. And usually the oppressed don't live longer the op than the oppressor. Um, but yet, like the poor don't live longer than the rich. Black people don't live longer than white people. But yet white women live a long time. So if the order of America is they live longer than white men, they, they, like they, they do pretty well. Um, so if the order of, like the, the hierarchy in America, the, the, domin the order of domination in America is, a, is, is, is primarily racial, then somehow um, it's really worked out well for white women. So maybe the racial order 
has uh, gendered aspects that we're not really looking at. But I've done shows on this before. So now let's talk about the dangerous individual in Foucault. Foucault is this 20th century theorist who uh, was looking at the way that all these kind of the way we talk about mental health and the way we talk about criminality and the way all of these people are kind of operationalized. And then he started looking at uh, court documents from medical experts. And he's like, look, in 1810, uh, you know, penal code or like article 64 of we made the article 64 of the penal code that allowed for these medical experts to come in and tell us if the uh, person who committed the crime was in their right minds when they committed the crime because we didn't want to punish people who didn't know what they were doing and he's like i don't have a problem with that what i have a problem but now and he's like he's like he starts reading these uh medical expert uh these people talking about med uh, these court medical experts in 1955 and he's saying like no what these people testify to isn't the act or the legality of their act they're talking about they're bringing up stuff they did in their childhood this person cut off cabbages cut off the heads of cabbages really maliciously when they were four years old and they were burning ants with magnifying glass and all of these things that have nothing to do with the act that we're actually trying to figure out if the person did. So we're trying to find all of these very legal measures and say that that constitutes criminality in this act. It's not illegal to burn ants with a magnifying glass. It's not illegal to aggressively cut off the heads of cabbages. But somehow that those legal acts then like start to paint a picture of the criminal, which makes... And so it's not really about whether what they did was uh, breaking the law. It's about the them being a criminal and whether they can be a and as a dangerous individual, can they integrate well into society? So that's what the medical expert is testifying to. Can they integrate well into society? Can they fulfill their role under the order that we've established in society? Not whether they actually broke the law. So we have a rule of law that's in a criminal justice system that's not exactly about applying a law to an instance. We have a criminal justice system that's about kind of assessing whether you can integrate safely and how well you can integrate safely into the uh, current order of things. And how does that work with family law? I think this Foucault you know, died before uh, I feel like family law got interesting. And so I'm going to talk about that after the divorce because family law is very good because it's not about whether my spouse broke the law. It's about whether my spouse is fit to um, uh, you know, watch over these kids. And so all of these other, so we bring in these medical experts for these reasons, and I'll talk about it more after the break. Peace. To the beach, yo. For the world or the government If it was the president Then I would state facts You leave it up to me I paint the White House Black and it can feature in your front To the beach, y'all Change the ways for the world or the government If it was the president, then I would state facts You leave it up to me, I'll paint the White House black And it can feature in your front So uh, this week's show, I'm talking about Foucault And uh, 
and the book is abnormal. It's a series of lectures he gave in the 70s, and he's talking about the operation of mental health experts, the juridical medical experts. And he's like, funny, these mental health experts who are testifying in courts over the criminality of the defendant, they're not really scientists because um, it kind of futz with the method. They're not really jurists. They're, kind of, they're not really scientists, although they have some sort of authority over a true diagnosis. They're not really jurists because they're not really applying a law to an instance. And they're not really entertainers, but they have to be kind of entertaining because if you're, not, if you're, trying to, if you're posing as a scientist and you're posing as a jurist, and uh, you better at least be entertaining or nobody's going to actually listen to what you say. So there are these um, kind of they're, they're parodies. They're grotesques. They're, it's a grotesque expression of arbitrary power that is masked under, you know, the science of mental health or the, the um, legality, right? Like uh, they're jurists because they're just applying the law. So they have the authority to kill like a jurist does. They have the authority to make a determination over like who gets to live or die or get put in a cage or who gets to see their kids. They have the authority of a scientist because they have an authority over truth. Um, but they're neither a scientist, nor are they a jurist, nor are they an entertainer. They're kind of a mix of all three, which is kind of gives a lie to either of them. But what they do do is identify who's a dangerous individual. And like I said, this is, I think, the most clear in family court. I've, thank goodness my family's dope and like we're fine. But man, family court is such a mess if for no other reason than um, both... Uh, people who are getting divorced are trying to discredit each other, not based on legality, I mean, uh, not based on illegality, but based on things that actually are legal. So you have a law court that's not actually about law. Instead, it's about fitness and what constitutes an fit or unfit parent or person, right? And as a black man, you're just naturally, you're, you're already dangerous, Right, so you're already suspect as being kind of a danger to the the social order because fitness is being tied to how can you, are you a valuable member and and productive member of the current and sustaining the current social order, and black men were pretty much disposable. So, um, that's like we walk in disposable. So like there's already, if that's the question, not whether you broke the law, but whether you fit into America, we already like have two strikes because America needs us needs us not, right? Doesn't need so many of us. Um, but so family law is fascinating. I was actually um, uh, there's kind of an epidemic of there are so was, three people now have come to me and said you know they're going through a, a, a divorce and. Uh, these are white women, and, and they said, you know, my spouse is trying to use family law in order, or use, like, use my feelings about justice and my politics about, especially, like, racial justice um, as a means to show that I'm an unfit parent and that, like, my radical politics are going to be bad. So uh, there's a way in which and so, they, so the court then sends them to be evaluated by a medical doctor um, who's dubious. Uh, and, and then what does that mean? So what's the medical doctor 
evaluating them. Do they care about justice for black people too much? That's what the to be a fit parent <laughs> in America. Because part of what it is to be a parent in America is to raise Kim Potter, the, the shooter, not not to care about um uh I'm sure Kim Potter's parents have, don't think that they raised a murderer. They raised an American. Right? So and not to care about the victim. So there's this idea that family courts is a place where you take the legal behavior of, you know, a spouse that you're trying to discredit and then kind of use that legal behavior to, to um, paint a picture of them being somehow perverse or unfit. Right. And that and that's what Foucault's talking about in this in, in, in these lectures he gave in the 70s, where they're trying to identify the dangerous individual. And we use uh, the criminal justice system and uh, and we use the mental health discourse to kind of either pathologize this dangerous individual or criminalize this danger, dangerous individual. But for the most part, we want them out. And this is. I mean, this is the story of Socrates. This is the story of Jesus. This is the story of uh, Fred Hampton. Really, whether they broke laws is immaterial as to whether they were a problem for society, and that's what they're judged at. We're the or like the mental health discourse is used as a means to diagnose you as a problem for society. So can you have both the rule of law, but or this rule of the mental health discourse? Because whether they they're not judging whether whether you broke the law, they're judging whether you are fit to function to ke to keep up the the current social order. And by the way, I am not fit to uh, function to keep up the social order. I want to upend the social order. So if you want me to continue upending the social order, go ahead and go down to www.funkyacademic.com and kick in for five, fifteen, or fifty dollars a month, and I'll keep doing what I'm doing because you know. I got to eat too, which is appropriate, right? Um, and send this video around to your friends. And Foucault's very clear about this in the section, in the second lecture of this, uh, in the second lecture of this series, where he says that it really doesn't matter whether the dangerous individual is mentally ill. It really doesn't matter whether the dangerous individual broke a law. What those, the mental health discourse and the legal discourse are all means to get at this other thing, which is whether they can be integrated into the social order and productively. Because if you find someone who's productively integrated in the social order, you're not really, you don't really care if they break laws and you don't really care if they're mentally ill. Um, they're, 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 they're making rain. So, so we've excused their uh, whatever. Um, um, So, you know, so people have the right to be like, you know, people have the right to do things you don't want to do. People have the right to uh, to be perverse. Um, and so this is the fund. It's, it's also there's a way in which this is a fundamental lie of the rule of law that it's gotten rid of arbitrary power. But it hasn't gotten rid of arbitrary power. Arbitrary power just goes underground. Right. So when Judge Robert, Roberts in his confirmation hearing said, well, you know, I'm like an umpire. I just, uh, I call balls and strikes. I don't really like judge things. I don't really like make, make non, 
um, non-legal judgments. I just apply a, a, a law to an instance. Which is funny because if you talk to major league umpires, they don't even just call balls and strikes. Like there are balls and strikes that come at the margins. They have to make a judgment. And what we want them, the umpire to do is be consistent through the game. But to think that they, like it's very clear, if it's very clear, then an app can do what an umpire can do. And an app can't do what an umpire can do. Right? Because their job isn't to not think. They have to think. And we're going to cut. This is probably going to become an issue when uh, driverless cars come in. Like, are driverless cars figure, uh, when people drive, are they just following rules or are they actually conceiving of the whole, um, like, sphere of vision and seeing how they fit into the whole and, and making judgments that way? So, that's, this is going to be a thing with driverless cars, especially when driverless cars start hitting people and killing people. Because, like, we have a ton of accidents now. But it's it's different when you're killed by an algorithm. <laughs> so that's going to be a whole thing. However, so we have these juridical, uh, medical juridical experts who are not scientists, who are not jurists, but have the authority of truth and now have the authority to determine who's like guilty of being a criminal with, by looking at their legal behaviors over the course of their life. And they have a, an incredible amount of power. So it's kind of a grotesque use of power that gives the lie to the rule of law because we're talking about people who haven't actually broken laws, but they're somehow unfit. We're trying to prove you're unfit, not, not that you're broken, you've broken a law. So we're going to send you, we're going to force you. And this is what these, uh, these divorced people were telling me. And there's a few of them that uh, you can have court-ordered um, psychological evaluation, not to see if you're... Uh, like you've done anything like illegal, but to see if you're unfit. And then that evaluation will have weight with the judge. And so we pretty much, the, the judge will rubber stamp whatever the psychological evaluation says, right? So then we got to think about what's, <coughs> what's this psychological evaluation person judging? And it turns out what they were judging was, you know, you can care about racism too much. And be a uh, and 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 show signs of, of racial justice too much, and show signs of 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 uh, pathology. But that's like, but you have to remember, this is the same discipline that had was it drapedomania? <laughs> drapedomania was the disease that slaves have that would make them keep running away. Look it up. I don't make this up. I just report them. It was a disease. There was another disease that slaves had that made them not want to pick cotton. I'm not joking. There's something, there's something lazy. My Negro was broken. They must be mentally ill. They don't want to pick cotton for me. Do you have a disease for that? Well, actually, we do. Um, so, but drapedomania was the one that says, my Negro was broken. Uh, this one wants to keep running away. There must be something defective about him. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, psychological discourse has always been kind of BS. I would like a history of the DSM-5, but like a political history of the DSM-5. Not as, not as a history of science, but as a history of horse trading. I'll give you depression if you give me, like, because there's a lot of trash in there. And there are a lot of rackets in there. It's just that um, mental health is the racket that people are scared to touch. But I think it's a very powerful one. Because if you can call someone crazy, you could, you, could, you could banish them. You could take control of them. Right, and that's and you can it's the equivalent. And Foucault says whether I send them to the hospital or whether I send them to jail, I've pretty much banished them from polite society, um, and that's the goal, 
right? So all of these powers that have the, um, all of these institutions that have the power to banish you or complete discredit you or get you unrecognized, uh, objectively unrecognized, is uh, like, should be stuff we are talking about all the time, right? Because if there are institutions that can do that, there are institutions that will do that to black people. Uh, because recognizing us and securing us justice is actually going to is a dangerous is a dangerous um, to the current social order, right? So, if Fred Hampton wasn't a criminal, they were going to make him one. If Fred Hampton wasn't crazy, they were going to try to make him one. If Martin Luther King wasn't a criminal, they were going to make him one. If Fred Martin Luther King wasn't crazy, they were going to uh, pathologize him as one. Like that's if that if Jesus wasn't a criminal, they were going to make him one. Jesus wasn't crazy. They were going to pathologize him one. Same with Socrates, right? So <clears throat> it's there's this illusion that the rule of law gets rid of the arbitrary and the need for arbitrary discretion and judgment in sustaining the whole society. That's not true. We, the, arbitra the arbitrary discretion just kind of goes underground. It's the police person who's like can decide to pull a taser on a guy for uh you know skipping a, a failure to appear to have, for having a failure to appear warrant on him like that's that's where the arbitrary discretion the grotesque use of power like comes back in society it doesn't go away because we have the rule of law it just kind of goes underground and unregulated in all of these kind of gross ways right and and in the court system it's the unregulated discretion goes to this medical juridical expert who, once again, I think this is very important. They're not actually testifying about your state of mind in the act or your criminality uh, in, the, in what you've done. They're testifying of all these, about all of these legal things you've done through time that, to paint a picture, and that's why they have to be entertaining, about you as a criminal. All right. so, <laughs> excuse me. so think about that as you... Uh, and family law is a perfect place for that because it's not about whether this person broke a law; it's about whether they're fit, and what and 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 how can you how can you determine someone as unfit, and who's in that business, and what kind of what what are their politics? Like I think, I mean, I, I'm pretty honest. I think America makes crappy parents like left and right who are unfit, but they're unfit in a way that might be good for the GDP, or they're unfit in a way that we've been used to. Um, so anyway, thank you for your time. If you want to support this dangerous individual, go to the www.funkyacademic.com and kick in $5.15 or $50 a month because, you know, I, I have bills to pay. And uh, I think, you know, I provide a service. So I will see you next week when we do part two of this about why the dangers of being basic. The dangers of being basic. Peace. If you appreciate the work I do every week and you think that I should continue to do it because I'm giving you the quality of political knowledge and insight that will help you not squander your life and kind of rescue meaning from it, then go ahead and go to www.funkyacademic.com and kick in $5, $15, or $50 a month or make one enormous donations. I like the monthlies because it allows me to budget more and that'll help me, you know, with a marketing budget or getting better equipment that works all the time because a lot of, in a lot of ways, freedom means having equipment that works every time you turn it on. 
<laughs> and I want to be a free Negro. So um, if you like what I do, go to funkyacademic.com and contribute. Thanks often comes in the form of cash. And the site takes 